All right, boys. So I had, I don't want to say weird, because what's weird anymore? But I had a, an unusual dream, even for me, this week. On Wednesday, I slept. I took a nap. Do tell. And I, I dreamt that I had a pet badger named Angus who could do two things. One, he could talk. Two, he could shapeshift. But only into two things. He was like Meat Wad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where his shapeshifting was very limited. He could shapeshift into a pit bull or a horse. And then, uh, so then Angus had a conversation with me, and he talked to me, and he was like, look, um, I want to share the bed. I want to use the bed. I want to share it, and here's how I'll share it. Buy me a body pillow, and I won't bite and claw you so that you get out of bed and leave the bed just to me. Badgers, that's how badgers roll. That's how badgers roll, at least how Angus, the talking, shape-shifting badger, rolls. And then, um, like, after I made this agreement where I was like, all right, well, I'll use some of my Biden bucks to buy you a a body pillow. Um, I played a baseball game against the Batman villains. And uh, playing the Joker was Johnny Depp. And, And then after... The game was over. All the other Batman villains left, but the Joker, Johnny Depp, the Joker, was hanging out with us drinking beers. And Angus the Badger showed up as a horse with friend of the pod Val riding the horse. And then Johnny Depp got on the horse, Angus, and left with her. That's the, that's the latest DC uh, movie, a- Angus and the Joker. Angus and the Joker. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was my dream on Wednesday. Yeah. How many? How much of these Biden bucks did you s- spend on drugs? Uh, was not it zero. Not or? nearly enough. <laughs> Folks, everything you've heard about the the vaccine side effects are true. That's true. <laughs> you get dreams That's like true. this. You get very fucking yeah. strange dreams. Yeah. Pfizer dreams are called. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that Moderna night sweats where you know you're just twisting around and you're having whatever the fuck Jim had. Did you say meat one? Yeah, just like meat wad. I have I have my meat wad voice. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. And welcome back to The Square, which is apparently the premier podcast of Jim's dreams. Jim, we're, we're, we're talking about your dreams. No, we're not. Just, well, so just kidding. Stefan no, Mahailu, is he in your dreams? Is that what we're yeah, well, some of them. But I mean, you know, he's such a handsome man that how can he not be in your dreams? He's so sexy. I, I know. I can't help it. No, we're The Square. We are Buffalo's Western New York's premier podcast about politics, news, and nonsense. All right. That should be our tagline. Tattoo it on Ryan's head. Yep. When he walks around in public with our little logo on it. Um, and today to talk about politics, news, and nonsense, we have Adam Bojack. Adam, welcome to the square, dude. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And I was just going to say that this this sounds amazing. This this dream of yours is it's a, it's a three in one pet. If, if you don't feel like having a dog that day, you say, hey, could I, uh, could I have a horse right now? And then that's three pets in one. Well, I just like I I thought of afterwards, like 
what did I have to feed him as? Because like as like a badger or a pit bull, like that's a reasonable amount of food to give. But like you know, like you know, you know, my one bedroom in Lancaster, a horse, that's a lot of food to that's have to hang, hanging around. Um, well, An- Angus let you ride him. He let Val ride him. He, I didn't. I, there was no point in the dream where I had a conversation about right. about riding him myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope so. Like I could get rid of my car and I could just ride Angus around. Yeah. And then also it's like bring your dog to work day, <laughs> except it's also bring your badger to work day. Mm, I like it. Well, aside from being very interested in Jim's dreams, apparently, <laughs> Adam is also a tenants' rights advocate attorney um, who previously ran for state assembly here. But before we get into the meat stuff here, Adam, we're going to talk about the candy, dude. We got news of the week. We got stuff going on. And we're not a sports podcast, guys, but uh, a lot of sports ball is Ooh. happening, Jim. Well, it's it's not even on the big board, but I, I have to bring it up. Oh, you have to. I must bring up that yeah. tomorrow at 1.45 p.m. Eastern, St. Bonaventure is playing Louisiana State University in the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's local news as far as Tom Reed is concerned. <laughs> we'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> uh, but I have to bring up that. Yeah, so uh, by the time this hits, Biometro will played one or maybe two games if all goes well. Um, but uh, no, I, I have to bring up that Biometro is playing basketball tomorrow. Local sports team. Local sports team. You know who's not playing basketball tomorrow, Ree? Oh. oh hold on. Could it be? Duke. Duke is not playing basketball tomorrow. You know who else is not playing basketball tomorrow? Kentucky. Oh. For the first time since 1971, Ooh, both wow. those teams are not in the tournament. Wow. Adam, have you been uh, following the tournament? Are you a tournament guy? I have been in the past, but I've been somehow missing it this year. I did hear a 15 beat it. Two today, though. Yes, a 15 beat Oral mm-hmm. Roberts beat uh, Ohio State University today. And of course, it had to be Oral Roberts because well, why not? Right. Well, that's, that's, uh, we were talking about this earlier before the podcast. Is like, we're, we're all big fans of rooting for uh, underdogs beating like the, the big, big power conference teams. Except like, there's no way we could root for Oral Roberts or like Liberty University to win. No, no. I, I do say that. I like when St. Bonaventure wins because it's it's fun. I I didn't go there. I know the the people that went there. They are ferocious about their loyalty to that school, and I I appreciate that. But when they're in the tournament, things are just more fun around here. Yeah, I would say that we're mostly obnoxious about the university, <laughs> but I mean, um, I'll take ferocious as a compliment. I do appreciate that honesty, though. Well, in non St. Bonaventure news, Jim. Uh, I think the the Sabers finally showed signs of life. Oh yeah, they fi- they woke up for a, a minute or two. Um, beep beep <laughs> beep beep beep. Just flopping around on their deathbed, right? Uh, accidentally knock something over. <laughs> yeah, and they accidentally unplugged Ralph Kruger. Oh. Krieger. <laughs> Whoops! They they took Ralph Krieger off the life support that he was on and got rid of him. Oh, my so, God. He, you know, I actually felt more relieved for him than anything else. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to do this anymore. Did you see what it's he like, said on the way out? He's like, oh, I had a great experience. Loved every day. That's because he knew he conned the whole city into <laughs> liking him for about five minutes. Right. He's like what would happen if, like, like Ted Lasso in real life. 
Like, it's just a guy who, like, has no idea what the fuck he's doing and then gets brought in. Like, yeah, well, I know you were involved with European soccer, but what if you coached hockey? I, I thought it was one of those situations where someone's cursed and they can't get out of the curse unless they find someone else to take their place. Well, that's he actually wasn't allowed to leave the Sabres head coaching position until he vaccinated a thousand people himself personally. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was, that's why the key bank had to be opened up because they're like, well, he's got to vaccinate all these people so that he can finally leave. Would, would you have fired Ralph Kruger, Krieger, Adam? I would have done it about a month and a half ago. <laughs> I, I'm surprised he lasted that long. And it was one of those where once there are multiple Twitter accounts that say is Kruger fired today and they're tweeting no every single day. It's, it's long past time to get rid of yeah. that guy. No doubt, man. Yeah. Now he's gone. The Sabres still terrible. Spoiler alert. They still suck. They're probably going to suck for the foreseeable well, future. Uh, although, although who knows when the next game is because they played the Bruins last night. And then today the Bruins announced that they can't play their next game because they had one person out with COVID they have four more people who are positive for COVID today. So this already happened to the Sabres against the Devils like two months ago, where the Devils played against the Sabres with one person who was positive with COVID, and then four more, three or four more people got were named positive with COVID the next day, and the Sabres had like a wave of like all these people who had to go out with COVID. And it's, it's the exact same thing just happened to them now. And except the only difference is, is this time the games were supposed to be in Buffalo and they were supposed to allow 10% of the, uh, the, uh, the arena in. So now the Sabres have to refund all that money for the ticket money. And the, uh, because of the inconvenience, they're giving tickets to a game next season. Couldn't have happened to a better franchise. I got to tell you. Yeah. The way I think about it though, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this is that they were actually a halfway decent team before that original shutdown. And then they've been just garbage ever since. So maybe this will snap them back into place. Maybe that that, that hit uh, a speed bump and we have to get our, our alignment right Right, back. yeah, the, the double COVID. The- we need more COVID. Let's double down <laughs> on the Rona. Well, hey, that's what a vaccine is, right? It's just giving you the virus. Right. That's a good point. No, that's not true. I take it back. Sorry. <laughs> I was waiting to see how long I could uh, leave you twisted in the wind there, Adam. Wait a second. <laughs> My wife's a science teacher. She would behead me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. The Sabres are awful. But how about the good team, guys? What about the Bisons? Well, I, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched him play baseball in a while. No, the other good team. Oh, the Bills. Yeah, the Bills. Oh, it's free agent week in the NFL. Oh, baby. And the Bills, they made a little splishy splash. Right. They got rid of John Brown. Well, they traded, they traded Lee Smith. They got. They actually traded him. I, I, right. Brandon Bean is a wizard. This guy. I can't believe like Lee Smith was worth literally anything, and he gets like a seventh round pick for him. So, props to you, the Buffalo Bills. But they signed Emmanuel Sanders um, mm-hmm. to be their you know third or fourth string wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders, eh, pretty decent NFL receiver, made some headlines a few months back where he said. What do you say, Rye, about uh, blue cheese and wings? Yeah, I guess it's, it's just uh, tastes like bad spoiled milk, I guess. And ranch is better. And, you know, it's, it's this old debate. And I, I, really, I really don't blame people for eating ranch outside of the Buffalo area. It's different here. So, so he, had a, he had a little tweet, right? Where yeah, he had a tweet where he's like, yeah, blue cheese is terrible. 
you know, how can you eat that? And people from Buffalo are like, ah, of yeah, course, you know, right? Yeah, he could, he could, he could, he could catch for eighteen hundred yards and twenty five touchdowns next season, and people would be like, "Yeah, but he doesn't like blue cheese." These are the, these are the same people who watch the internet every day for a top, new top ten list. Well, and uh, and also to be fair, the same people who like Paul Plazuzzi just because he was white. <laughs> oh Jesus! But but Emmanuel Sanders is a very very savvy man because he has since come out with the video today showing, oh. Buffalo, I haven't had real blue cheese like you eat it here. And then he eats a chicken wing dipped in, you know, buffalo blue cheese. He's like, oh, that is different here. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I appreciate the guy's hustle to pander to, like, the biggest fucking idiots of all time (laughs) Mm -hmm. who actually give a flying fuck about blue cheese with wings. I like blue cheese with wings. Am I ever going to post on the Internet and be mad about it? Not in a million fucking years. Mm Adam, are you uh, are you a blue cheese truther here, or are you just like, hey, I eat whatever on my wings? I used to be one of those. If you eat anything else with them, I will not talk to you. You're no longer my friend. I don't recognize you as a human being. I used to be like that, but I think over time, I just kind of got got to the point where I, it's it's like that cartoon where the guy's shushing the guy and he's holding his lips shut and he just says, "Let people enjoy things," <laughs> and and that's. That's kind of where I am now, and you know, shout out to Steady Riot on Twitter. He's he's always been uh, pushing that and just saying, hey, if somebody wants to dunk it in in you know the the trash can and then eat it, it's up to them and let them let them enjoy their wings the way they want. And I, I do appreciate that we've gotten to the point where a new athlete in town is immediately pandering to the fan base like this. Right, that's that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I I do appreciate that. Like like that he feels like the fan base matters enough that I have to pander to them. Because Taylor Hall didn't make a blue cheese video when he signed with the Sabres. So he did, it clearly did not give a shit about the Sabres fan base. Also, I think we've got a new wing flavor for Macy's, trash can wings. Trash can wings? Yeah. yeah. The Oscar the Grouch wings. <laughs> uh, you got to put that on the pizza, and I uh, bet it would be fucking amazing, yeah, yeah, by yeah, yeah. the way. Uh, Hire me, Macy's. I'll be your promo guy. I will say that, like... If I meet people, like, if I know people from outside of the area, like, I have an ex-girlfriend who's not from this area. And when she came to Buffalo, I was like, I, I know you want to have ranch with your wings, but just do me a favor and try blue cheese with them. Because it is different here because we have the creamy blue cheese, which is like a mix of, like, mayo and crumbly blue cheese. Right. So it it is different here to have the creamy blue cheese than it is to have like, like other people are just imagining like you're just taking like crumbly blue cheese and like like grinding chicken wings into them. So like, I do still stick to my like just try it. Once you try it, if you're like no, this is still garbage. I'm like fine, eat, eat it with ranch. I don't care. Just eat chicken wings. Just it, it, at the end of the day. Keep the economy of Buffalo going and eat chicken wings because yeah. that's like 90% of the economy of Buffalo. Like 10%, 10% is Doug Gemmel, and then the other 90% <laughs> is chicken wings. And, and I do like the that the he said, hey, this is actually good. So he may have had some really bad blue cheese in the past because there's a lot of good food here in Buffalo that if you go anywhere else, it's trash. Oh, yeah. It's really not good. And so maybe he had, maybe they're just putting blue cheese crumbles in ranch dressing somewhere else and calling it blue cheese, and that might suck. I just get so, I, I just get so mad at the idea that people are mad about blue cheese 
or ranch. Like it just, I, I hate to be one of those like contrarian pricks, but I just can't fathom like somebody who actually like, I don't think people care about this. I think we just live in a time where you literally, your energies can go nowhere else, but to really stupid things that you can only be fixated on the dumbest shit imaginable. That's how we get the Snyder cut of the, the fucking cartoon superhero movie. And people are really like, yeah, I heard it was good. Sure. We get four hours of that because dipshits on the internet are like, Oh, well we got to have the Snyder cut. And then it turns into a meme, which has no impact on our lives. And that's just like in a microcosm for me is this blue cheese versus ranch thing. And you know, people, like it started out as like a, a Facebook like circa 2007 where it's like, if you don't like blue cheese, you can go die in a fire. And now it's just like, oh, we, we have these opinions about this where ranch is fine. I don't know. I'll you, eat it with stuff. You, you know who likes ranch with their chicken wings? Tucker Carlson. Oh. Oof. That's where you are, Ray. You're with Tucker Carlson. I got to have that like fucking dumb look on my face at all times. <laughs> right. Huh? That's that's that's. When uh, for your next birthday, I'm buying you a bow tie. <laughs> oh man, I would look. I, I, my head's not. I can't do a bow tie. <laughs> my head look, would look weird. All right, guys. Who who else did the Bills pick up? No, oh, we we oh, some Polish guy. Oh, right. <laughs> so this is my favorite, uh, Adam. I don't know how you feel about this. So I love the Mitch Trubisky pickup, not because <laughs> I want him to ever play quarterback for the Bills. I hope he never ever gets on the field. What I love about it is that the Bears look so hapless because they were so unprepared for this to happen that they have literally no quarterback left on their team and they don't they don't know what to do. I am never going to be used to the idea that our team is competent. It's 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 so new and it's so exciting and then still every time something like this happens, they get you remember what the Bears gave up to draft him? Yeah. And then we we signed him for one year for two and a half million dollars. I'm I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> Brandon Bean, wizard, magician, whatever you want to say, it's incredible. Yeah, it's 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 just so amazing to me that like like the Bills are like like in the middle of like san- signing Emmanuel Sanders and we're like we need to turn our team into like a legit Super Bowl com- uh, com- uh, contender. We were close last year. Let's make our team better. And at the same time, they're like, also, while we're doing this, why don't we pants a team in the NFC North? <laughs> just for kicks. Just, just because just because we can, we're, we're going to pull their trousers down at the swimming pool. Spank their little bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> while re-signing all our good players for less than they're worth. Right. Yeah. Yes. Unreal. Yes, our, our beloved Buffalo Bills. But... Folks, we are not the sports podcast as much as as much fun as we could have doing that. There's there's people better at it than us, mm-hmm. but we are the news podcast. And uh, guys, you know we're moving from talking about one extremely competent manager to one <laughs> maybe not so competent manager these days. Of course, I'm talking about Lil Andy. <laughs> what did I smell over there? That? Whoa, whoa! I thought we we're cool here, Jim Ryan. I thought we were cool in the snake pit. I don't know, man. I was feeling a little stressed. We are in Kenmore. Wow. This narc Jim. He's going to talk about me <laughs> in blue coming, cheese and my Tucker for Carlson bow tie. And he's going to narc me out for, for smelling like a certain substance. Uh, no. Andrew Cuomo has recently come out in favor of marijuana legalization. However, important caveat. Allegedly. allegedly 
but with the important caveat that police should still have as probable cause uh, the smell of marijuana as something they could pull you over for. Adam, you are our resident attorney. We stopped paying Ryan after he all got us in jail that one time. Right. What's your take, dude? What's up with this? Uh, That's really fucking stupid. Because if you allow it to be probable cause for for a, a traffic stop or to search or for anything, you're giving the police the green light to do all the stuff they're already doing. So, no, no, you can't you can't do that. It, it just makes absolutely no sense. And you just legalize it or or don't. And, and I do appreciate that he has done his usual Cuomo thing where he holds off and blocks something for long enough until he can turn around and make it look like it was, it was his own idea. Mm-hmm. Right, he's very Mitch McConnell that way. <laughs> well, and that's been the biggest roadblock throughout the country, really, is uh, to marijuana legalization, I should say, is basically the police not having it as probable cause to pull over, um, you know, suspects, as it were. Um, in fact, I know I saw this crazy news story out of New Jersey maybe a couple months ago about like this whole town was like in an uproar they had the city council was basically like oh yeah the cops can't pull over people who are walking on the boardwalk um for probable cause of marijuana because they have legalized weed in new jersey and so the city council was like incensed that the cops could not do that anymore and like that's been sort of the the tripping point for a lot of legalization efforts is you know can the police still enforce it can they pull over people etc and it's just like come on man did you hear about the problems with the biden administration i did hear about uh, <laughs> the, the the uh the daily beast reported this today right yeah that the the either people weren't hired or have been forced to resign because at some point they disclosed past drug use in dc during in during the hiring process in dc where weed is legal right Biden's taking the the high road on this. Well, I guess it's not the high road, right? No, he's he's, <laughs> he's 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 taking the Pataki road. The Pataki road. He's taking the harshing the mellow road. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's mm-hmm. the Nelson Rockefeller road. Yeah. Did you guys see the story from John Flynn earlier today? No. No. Oh yeah, our wonder wonderful district attorney of the Erie County uh, cross endorsed both Democrat and Republican John Flynn came out and did a press conference earlier saying, hey, don't legalize weed. And this is a direct quote from the article. It says, if they take marijuana off that list, now I can't even prosecute it, period. Oh, brother. That's the point, buddy. That's the point. That's That's the point. That's that's literally the point. Oh, boy. Uh, Don't worry. DWI will still be there for you. (laughs) Yeah. No, and, and again, like a lot of this that we see, this pushback from the police and, and the DA apparently is, I don't know, CYA, like watch your own ass and watch your job. Because I think that a lot of people begin to realize like, Hey, why the hell are we throwing all this money at, you know, these, <laughs> these different police organizations. If like the arrests start going down because they don't have that probable cause based on frankly, bullshit smelling like weed. Come on. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, again, like, we just keep doing this madness. Like, it's not some new thing. Marijuana legalization has literally, 
you probably go back to like the 50s and 60s, honestly. People mostly felt, I know they did public polls that showed one way, but if you really ask people, they'd probably be like, yeah, weed should be legal. Mm -hmm. And I think we've known for a long time. So I guess it's just demoralizing to me that even in this supposed enlightened age that we live in, that we're still going to do this song and dance at least for, you know, who knows how much longer. Yeah. And if at the end of the day, people across all racial categories use it at about the same rate, but yet non-white people are arrested at two to four times the rate of white people, that's a problem. Yep. And until you address the underlying causes, yeah, it, it's never going to change. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is like at the same time where we have, you know, like police departments and DAs coming out against strongly against um, legalization or at least, you know, taking it away as a, a probable cause to pull somebody over. You have the flip side where like Seth Rogen is like, yeah, I've got this whole boutique brand of weed strains coming out. And more and more do you see like bourgeois, primarily white people coming out with, you know, these high end weed uh, dispensaries. Certainly whenever it happens in Western New York or in New York, I should say, but in Western New York, you're going to see, again, higher end dispensaries owned by, well, most likely going to be white people. And it just it really does highlight that racial disparity once again that, well, when they pull people over for probable cause, it's probably not going to be out in fucking Amherst or Clarence. Um, yeah. Skin color depending potentially. But, you know, for the most part, that those are not the people who are going to be impacted the most as you know, marijuana smelling like marijuana is still a thing that you can be arrested for or investigated for. Yeah. But going back to Cuomo himself, the people in the legislature, especially his own uh, party, they are no longer afraid of him and they have no problem at the moment kind of just flipping him the bird and saying, yeah, we're not going to just fall in line with what you want us to do. So, you know, they have the uh, Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act that's part of the, the budget process and and because he wanted to do it his way and, and the people are telling him, no, nah, no, we're good. We, we have better things and we're going to do it without you. Yeah, no, it's great that they're finally going to be able to, and they have the major, the supermajority in both houses now, so that they can they can basically tell them, like, <laughs> that's great, and with a dollar you can buy a cup of coffee, Andrew. Yeah, I mean they can tell them exactly where you can stick these things. Well, now you guys say that, but we didn't touch on this last week, but we're starting to get more of this leaking out where. Uh, the Cuomo administration is trying at least their very best to flex their muscle a little bit um, in terms of getting uh, members down in the Democratic Party to get them in line. Uh, there was an article, I believe it was in was in the Washington Post, where it was Cuomo's vaccine czar, uh, yes. his right-hand man, who's basically calling uh, county executives all throughout New York State and saying like, hey, you better support the governor or uh, those little vaccines that you like. Eh, maybe you won't see as many of them your way. But uh, notably, while he can, he can still strong-arm the county executives, he's lost his ability to do that to the state assembly and the state senate members. I, I would say that the state assembly and the state senate members have, are starting to really exercise their independence from him, and he's lost his ability to do that to them. Um, and part of it is because those districts aren't always confined within one county. They can overlap counties. They don't often do, but they can. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a, a growing, I would say, not wave, but there's a growing idea of of independence from him and and the the, the, the some of the people that I've even spoken with personally are are laying it out in ways that I didn't expect it to happen for a long time. I figured that he would probably ride out even even the storm that originally started with Ron Kim who was, you know, bringing up the, how he fudged the numbers. I figured he was going to survive that, but it seems like once that first domino fell and Ron Kim pretty much said, "No, I'm not going to back down." Then you started having the accusers come forward uh, and 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 bringing out these allegations of sexual impropriety and things like that, and now it's just a, a tidal wave. Right. And and nobody's afraid of him anymore. Right. And that you see now like the most recent Siena poll where only 50% of New Yorkers say they would vote for him again. 15% is pretty low for somebody who was pretty popular not that long ago. Oh, you you guys weren't homosexuals? <laughs> well, 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 Re was. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Right. It, he was on the news every day. It's th- that picture of him on the mountain. It, oh. I mean, it was just it was too good not to be true. Yeah, looking back on all that now, it's so cartoonishly megalomaniacal. Mm-hmm. Just Look at all the great things I did for you guys. That, that oh my God, the poster. I was just and, thinking of the poster. The po- yeah, the 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 poster that even the people from like Parks and Rec would be like, "There's no way we're doing that because <laughs> it's it's too it, nobody would ever do this." Oh, the but, giant mountain made of paper mache or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God. Well, and mon- monument to his own ego. Well, you you mentioned, um, Adam, that there was a, a wave of accusers. There actually was a seventh accuser uh, recently. I, a current I, staff member. A current, a current staff member, really? Yeah, a current staff member. God, that's how you know. I mean, I think that's how you know, like, the, the house of cards is really collapsing mm-hmm. on him. Because, look, like, the power dynamics being what they are, under normal, normal circumstances, that person... Never <laughs> would not come out and say that, you know, like a current step. A lot of times it's that person who left a couple of years ago and they're safely ensconced somewhere else. They can do that. I mean, a current staffer, that's wow. Good for them for speaking out. I Jesus. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, and, and, and so reading the uh, accusations, I saw this on, on Twitter. Somebody else made this point and they're like, well, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily sexually assaulting people is he's just making a really toxic work environment oh oh is that all he's only the head of government and democratic party in new york state other than that there's no expectations upon him no i i think that's one of my least favorite things is when people just throw the throw out the window the idea of a power imbalance inherent in a relationship and just say, well, he was just joking around with them. What's the problem? Like, oh, because he's the most powerful man in the state and maybe one of the most powerful people in the world just by that designation. So, right. yeah, him talking to the, like that to a 19-year-old woman, kind of ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty absurd. But like I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, like the things he's accused of saying to women who were subordinates to him I would not say to women of that age who I didn't know, given my own age, because I'd be like, it is wrong, one, it's creepy, two, and and three, like, there's still a power dynamic, even if I'm not the governor of New York State, 
I am a 40-something-year-old white male, which means that I have, just by my existence, more power in society than over a 25-year-old female. Uh, toss that guy in the dumpster. He, he, I'm done with him. The trash. I'm tired. Wait, me or him? No, not yes. you. Uh, no, both. No, yes. Both. Okay. You know what? Because you know what? The, you Only know what? if you find me some trash wings. Jim. Yeah, that, that's why I'm going to the dumpsters because I want to get these trash wings. Speaking of the dumpster, Tom Reed. Hey. Speaking of Tom Reed and the dumpster. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does he live in there like Zoidberg or something? <laughs> Uh, well, Adam, Tom Reed was my worst politician in Buffalo when uh, we, we did our, our first episode and we did our, our, our worst of. And uh, mine was Tom Reed because at the time he was running against. Um, oh, God, help me, Jim. Uh, oh, who is it? I, I forget. You know. But his ads were on like all the time. And it was just like, do you like the police? Do you hate crime? My opponent hates the police and loves crime. And it was just like the most pandering. I can't remember what her name is, but like, yeah, she's an Ithaca liberal and he's not. And so his basically his campaign was like, like people will steal the change out of the, the jar you keep in your fridge <laughs> because they'll have no fear of anything. Yeah, wow. he's truly a bag of shit. Tom, Tom Reed's our last line of defense. Yeah, Tom, Tom Reed is our last line of defense. Apparently not. Not the last line of defense for bras here, Jim. Oh. No, no. Did, uh, did you oh. see this, Adam? I just saw it a couple hours ago, and it is disturbing beyond belief. It Ooh. really, it, and it, and it sounds, it starts off sounding very Tom Reed because, as I brought up a couple weeks ago, like Tom Reed had an issue with a male staff member from a couple years ago, where he was giving unsolicited back rubs. And this one with a former lobbyist starts off with him giving an unsolicited back rub, turning into him undoing her bra, and then putting his hand on her thigh, and her having to ask somebody else to help her get out of it, who then got up and led Congressman Reed away. Yeah, Reed, that was a bit prescient of you to to, to oh. put him on the list there. Oh, God. Yeah, no, like... I mean, I'll stick with my pick of Stefan Mahailu as the worst politician in Buffalo. But Tom Reed is really making, he's trying real hard to sway my vote. He must be a listener. He's trying to get in your <laughs> graces. He, he wants to generate content for us in the future. Right. He knows Stefan, you know, has been hogging all that. And so, Tom Reed, you are, you are. <laughs> you you are now in the content bubble, buddy. Uh, yeah, d- how hard is it not to touch people? Just just don't. Rub people. <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking don't do it. It's Jesus very fuck. it's very easy to not touch people. I don't like touching people, and I don't like them touching me. Right. I certainly want wouldn't want fucking Tom Reed touching me. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that. Mm-hmm. No, drunk or sober. Yeah. yeah. No, no, thank you. No, no matter what kind of lobbyist I am, I don't want Tom Reed touching me. No, no, thank you. Well, we are talking about you know. Some pretty sleazy guys, okay? We're, we're talking about some, some shady characters who are in government. Let's talk about a good, upstanding character who's unfortunately not in government. Uh, guys, you know what time it is. <laughs> oh, what time is it, Ray? Watch! It's Nate Watch again! Ah, we just pressed the Nate. When it's a slow news week, we just press the Nate button. And then we get a lot of... You need some intro music for this, you know? 
Well, we got it. I'll, I'm put, I put it in post. We'll uh, let our uh, good, good. producer monkey take yeah, care of that. Oh, wow. Nate McMurray, <laughs> the, the tweeting congressman that could have been. Could have been. Should have been. Would have been. Might have been. Who knows? He, this week, Adam, did you see what he tweeted this week at, at both New York State Senators? Oh, it was both. I, I see. I saw one of the. I didn't realize it was both. That makes it so much more sad. Uh, no, it was. It was at both of them. Not not you. Not New York State Senator. I mean U.S. Senators. U.S. Senators New York representing Sen- New York. Yes, you, the the U.S. Senators who represent New York. Both of them, both uh, both Uncle Chuck and Senator Gillibrand. He tweeted at them that he's like, I I I heard that there's a deal for Samsung to come to New York State. I used to be senior counsel for them. Give me a call. Because if there's anything that Chuck Schumer needs is he's like, why well, I if only I had Nate McMurray's help on this. Yeah, I'm sure they had no idea that he was available and waiting by the phone. <laughs> and he had that Samsung sweet Samsung experience that is so coveted by US senators. I know I'm gonna get in trouble for this someday, but Increasingly, Nate McMurray goes further down like the Trump, like the Trump like rabbit hole, where now he's talking about the great deals that he can pull off <laughs> and tweeting at U.S. senators like, let me in. I can I can make great deals. Next thing you know, he'll be selling jewels on cable television. Right. McMurray steaks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. see, Ryan, I thought you were going to say selling jewels on like a street corner, like the, the, the vapes. <laughs> oh, that too. I think, you know. I- right, yeah, at the corner of Casnovia and Seneca Street, you'll see Nate McMurray. He's got, he'll just have like a trench coat, a London fog coat that he'll open up and he'll be selling vapes. I think the best case is he's selling homemade candles at like far- farmer's markets. You know what I mean? We'll see. I hope the best for him. Yeah, we want him to find inner peace, truly. Sure. He's going to rule us all. He is going to be like, I, I feel it, guys. I Unfortunately, I, I tap into the future somehow. Like, I knew Tom Reed somehow was going to be the worst politician in Buffalo. I was right. When I tell you Nate McMurray is going to be, like, county executive someday, you heard now, it here first. Uh, uh, Nate McMurray is going to end up sending, selling Eggway on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Nate McMurray is going to have a viral tweet that the next tweet down is, like, find your favorite vibrator here. <laughs> a multi-level marketing supplements company. Right, <laughs> right yeah. 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 He's going to sell, like, the salt lamps on his, like, third tweet down. <laughs> oh. He'll well. be the only person who gets his check mark taken away from him. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That'd be pretty funny. Well, yes, Nate, uh, Nate's thirst tweeting U.S. senators. But he's not the only person around who's trying to curry the favor of the powerful. Um, Jim, we had a local guy, uh, I, I would say gone good, but he's gone pretty bad. Whew. He's a bad egg. Well, I mean, the thing with saying gone bad is there has to be a start point. And I feel like he started pretty bad. And I don't, I don't ever sure. I'm not sure that he ever like wavered to the good. He's just a, just bad. a, 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 a mm-hmm. odor of sulfur follows him wherever he goes. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a literal demon. Yeah. Don't take that literally. Even though I said literal. Can't sue us. We got a lawyer on the show. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's the rule. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's this? Oh, who's this guy? Well, that's uh, that's Buffalo's own Mike Caputo. Oh, East Aurora's own uh, open container law. Oh, loving yes. Mike yes. Caputo. Yes. And as, as somebody from East Aurora, 
I am so annoyed that I have to be associated with him through my hometown. <laughs> it's all the Blue Devils like, stuck together. <laughs> He's a devil, like you said. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Parody. So, sounds like he's good. No, so, he's some... literally a devil. <laughs> <laughs> You're the attorney. You could say stuff like right, that. Yeah. So what did he do now? What did our ne'er do well, Mike Caputo? Listen, dear listener, you might have heard the name, and you're like, well, that guy, I've heard of him. I've, I've heard he's kind of a jerk. He served in the uh, Donald J. Trump administration, which is, folks, not very good, all right? Pretty much anybody who served in the Trump administration mm. is pretty fucking awful. Seemed so. to be a little too much for him. Had a little bit of a meltdown, huh? And- well, he, he didn't handle uh, the pressures of, at one point, overseeing like the U.S. fucking administration of coronavirus uh, vaccine rollout, right? Was that his job? At no, not, not the vaccine rollout, just the counting of deaths. Oh, he couldn't handle counting of, right. of bodies. Right, right. Something that a literal vampire does on Sesame Street. Yes, yes. He couldn't do that. He could not. He can. What? What? All we, the guy who just says one, two, three, and says things out loud. He couldn't do that. That was too much for him. He had to. He had to abandon ship. Yes, he bungled. He bungled that job. Um, he didn't know that there are calculators in every cell, smartphone right at this time. It's day and age. Uh, he has a flip phone. Oh. Okay. <laughs> But he has Fair. since he has since pivoted into the world of you know the the Trump media circle jerk as it were of like Fox News and OANN if you don't find Fox News hardcore enough and recently came out with a um, I think it was back in December of twenty twenty a a documentary that was like I don't know we love Trump Trump is the best Trump is great I don't actually know what the fuck this documentary was but apparently guys. The Russians were involved. The Ruskies were behind it. There were two key Russian information peddlers who were working closely with OANN and, and Mike Caputo. And was a, was one of them Ivan Drago? Yes, I, Ivan Drago. If he lies, he lies. Boris and Natasha Badnov. <laughs> uh, Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky, yeah. yeah. He was a spy, too. Yeah, they were all spies. All I got sp- to burn all his books. All right, uh, Nabokov. Oh, my gosh. Oksana Bayul. Yes. Oksana Bayul. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she was yeah. a spy. Yep, yep. And they're all friends of Mike Caputo. Wow. Yes. Yes, especially the cartoon characters, Boris and Natasha. <laughs> right, yeah. He talks to them every night. It's it, Just like I have Angus, he has Boris and Natasha that he <laughs> talks to. <laughs> You know, uh, the, yeah. the, the Russia stuff to me, and I, and I think you guys feel the same way. Listener, maybe you do, maybe you don't. This is my, old, my own crackpot thing. I think it's overblown. I mean, clearly, they've clearly been doing stuff to try to influence our elections. So does every other country in the world. We're the most powerful country in the history of mankind. Of course, other countries are trying to get in on that. But my thing is not that he was getting involved with the Russians, but that he was stupid enough to get caught. Well, I mean, he's put it first and foremost in his resume for a long time. Like, you know, we've talked about in the past, we've we've read, I don't know, Adam, have you ever read the Mike Caputo Wikipedia entry? Oh, no. Oh, no, well, I'd love to hear more about it. Well, it clearly Mike Caputo wrote it. <laughs> um, 
And but he talks about like like I well he worked for the first George Bush. And then afterwards he worked for Putin. And then so then when like they tried to tie him to Russia when Trump was president, he was like, Well, I've never been to Russia. And they're like Son of a bitch, read your own Wikipedia entry that clearly you wrote. Because he talks about, like, well, he was the most excellent advisor to Putin that uh, Putin's ever had. Hey, guys, I've actually just received a large Bitcoin payment. What if Russia isn't so bad after all? Oh, well, uh, you know what? I take everything back. Thank you. Friend of the pod, Russia. Friend of the pod, Russia. Uh, yeah, Enemy of the pod, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. No good, folks. Right, yeah, take that key. No, no good, Nicks. Well, as much as uh, I could talk about how, uh, you know, how bad Ukraine is and how, how much we love Mike Caputo, Adam, we didn't bring you here to just, you know, gush over every local shithead. We came to talk to you or have you come talk to us virtually um, about tenants' rights. We're talking about the people. Unless you want to talk more about Caputo. If, there, if there's more Caputo that you want to bring up, that's go nuts. Well, the, the one thing I was going to say is it's really funny that, uh, you know, he's sitting there saying, like, no, no, they never paid me for anything. But the guys are, like, right behind him stuffing the money into his pockets <laughs> while we're all watching. <laughs> my one Mike Caputo story that I'm going to bring up, and, and Ree hates when I tell stories, so I'm going to make sure Uncle I Jimmy go story time. It. Oh, here we it, go. Is, is that uh, Ree and I ran for committee, Democratic committee, like, 10 years ago. All right. And I started a Twitter account for us called, like, New Niagara 19 Liberals. All right? That's awesome. Is it before liberals was a big pejorative? Right. It was before yeah, liberals. In certain circles. Hold on. Yeah, no, yeah, it was right, definitely right. a pejorative oh, yeah, in some yeah, places. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, yeah, sure, I, mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ronald Wilson Reagan still you meant, thought it was You meant leftists at the time. Right. I meant leftists at the time. Yeah. Right? I So I started this Twitter account that, that was called that. And we were running against Dave Rivera and uh, John. Uh, well, I can't remember uh, the attorney for the Water Authority. John Jabroni. John Jabroni. Yes. John something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so we were like huge, <laughs> huge underdogs, amazing underdogs. However, so I start this Twitter account for like New Niagara nineteen liberals. The first follower I have is Mike Caputo. I have no idea how he found this Twitter account, what he was doing that day. Like, I started the account, and within 15 minutes, Mike Caputo's following it. That's unreal. He's definitely one of those name searchers yeah. on social media. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I hadn't even tweeted anything yet. It was just like, <laughs> like uh, I, I just started the account. I had put up a picture of our mailer. Which we did, an, we did a full color mailer for let, for committee race. Um, that we we dropped, we we mailed it out the Saturday before the election, so that it hit on Monday, and it made Rivera go nuts. It he went, he absolutely lost it. John Lakata, by the way, is the name of the oh. other person. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Rivera like lost it and he had like 
all of his staff members out campaigning against us that that day and like all of Sean Ryan's staff members were out campaigning against us that day for a committee race. It's hilarious. And we spent like $1,500 between <laughs> petitions and mailers. And I say without, without exaggeration, Re. I got forty thousand dollars worth of enjoyment out of it. I don't know how about, how about I don't know about you. Oh, I, I still get for much more than forty thousand dollars worth of enjoyment. Best Bitcoin that somebody ever spent. Not me. Um, it, it was awesome, but but I could I could reminisce about that all day. But Adam, we brought you here to talk about like you are really our man on the ground who's working with people who are maybe getting kicked out of their homes or not quite getting kicked out of their homes currently with the eviction moratorium. Let's talk about that. My understanding is that the eviction moratorium has been moved uh, yet again. Yeah. Yeah. They kicked that can down the road yet another time and they keep, they keep extending only certain portions of it. So it's not necessarily the entire thing that we started with last year, but at this point, the, the most recent one, because I will say, you know, we, as, as Jim said earlier, the the Assembly and Senate are now, you know, veto-proof Democrat. They did a really strong extension this most recent time. And so uh, up until May 1st at this point, that's when the, the, the cans kicked pretty far down the road at this point. Uh, if you are at risk of eviction, your, your landlord is by law required to provide you with a hardship form, which you can then fill out and delay that eviction until at the earliest May 1st. And it would say, uh, I cannot move out because of X, Y, Z, whether it be COVID related or not, you just have to fill this out. And if it is monetarily related that you would put that on the form as well. And there are, you know, as long as you fill out this form, there's no evictions until May 1st. So, so what if I don't provide the form to somebody that I want to evict? Well, that's the thing is we're probably going to find out that that's happening. Uh, if the court in this is all done in the one court in the Buffalo City Court, and I can, you know, I can speak for, for Buffalo City because that's where I do most of my work, but you know, the evictions are happening everywhere. I've been to Chittawaga Town Court. I've been to West Seneca. You know, I've been all over. But if the landlord files their, their eviction proceeding and they do not have proof of service of that form, they don't win. So maybe they fake it. I, I, I can't say that they won't. Some of them won't do that because uh, I'm sure you guys might be aware that landlords are not the most scrupulous of businessmen, right? business people, you know. Uh, but yeah, that, that is the one failsafe in there is that if they file their proceeding and they don't have proof that they serve that, then they're done. And, and it goes with a lot of other things that they have to provide. Uh, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act of 2019 extended some of the notice times. So rather than a five-day notice, you got a 14-day notice. And rather than a week on this, you got 14 days. And it, what it did mostly was make evictions take longer, which was the stability part. Uh, but but that was the main focus of that bill. We didn't get the tent, uh, the, the rent control up here. We didn't get the the good cause eviction. You know, there, there's still a lot of work to do in that area. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and you mentioned, obviously, that there have been certainly plenty of, of unscrupulous practices. Um, I mean, what are some of the horror stories that you've come across? Because even though people, there's an, uh, a moratorium on evictions, I'm sure that hasn't stopped 
landlords from trying to find new and creative ways to to get their money or to move people out. Right, right. So one of the ways you can evict somebody right now is if they are a danger to others in the building. And so that can be gamed. That can certainly be gamed. And it's it's really difficult. A lot of times tenants never appear in court. And so even if the the petition is entirely full of lies, if they don't show up, they don't win. And it's it's over. They, they lose their home. Um, another thing that's happening, and it's it's just all over the place, is uh, what one thing that Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act of 2019 did was it split the money from the eviction proceeding. So you used to be able to get the property back. You evicted the tenant. And as part of that, you got the back rents. You got a judgment for the money. Well, they split that out now. It's not part of the eviction proceeding. So now... Landlords are filing in small claims court right now and saying, hey, you owe me nine months of rent and I want it. And so they can do that because it's it's not part of an eviction. They're not evicting that tenant. They're just saying, yeah, you haven't paid me and I want it. And so now somebody who might not have a job because a lot of these jobs aren't coming back. So they haven't paid. They don't have the money. You can't get blood from a stone. But now they have a money judgment that's going to follow them around probably for for decade maybe or more. Uh, and so still, they'll have that hanging over their head when they're trying to find a new apartment because they're obviously not going to stay where they are now. They've, that relationship is, is done forever. And it's, it's, it's creating a lot of instability in, in people's lives. And you know, I, could, I could go on and on, but one of the major things in Western New York is gentrification, especially in the city. And, and prices are going up like crazy as far as rents, but people can't move and find something else in their same price range. And so that's another way the tenants are, are getting basically evicted. They're saying, well, I'm going to raise your rent next month just by $300. And it's, there's no rent control, so they can do that. Right. It, it's, it's just one thing after another. And they, yeah, they are very, they're shrewd. They're, they're business people and profit is their bottom line, just like any business. And so if, if a person in the, in the family that's living in this apartment is standing in the way of making more dollars, that family's got to go. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're not necessarily talking about, you know, the the person who maybe just makes enough money to like purchase a home and then supplements their income with rental income. It sounds like we're talking about like these large property owners who own, you know, multiple apartments. Yeah, yeah. And that's really the biggest problem because those small landlords, they do exist. And the bills that I fight for would help them too, right? There's the housing access uh, voucher program. It's actually been put into the budget process right now by by some good uh, legislators. But you know, before we were begging them to pass some kind of voucher program and and put a get a pool of money together, and it has been done in the past year. But the money was a little on the short side, and it wasn't promoted very well. So a lot of tenants didn't know that there's this pool of money out there. But the, the, the small landlords, through the bills that, like I said, I've been fighting for, they would be made whole too. But something I've noticed is that they're not interested in working with housing advocates. They're not interested in working with tenant groups. You know, They have a very, very small focus, and that focus is money. And so they are at risk of getting bought out by huge corporations. This is what we saw after the 2008 crash is the enormous 
housing corporations like Blackstone, they swoop in and they buy up billions of dollars of distressed properties. And then they watch those values skyrocket over the last dozen years. And they're just eating up our neighborhoods. And so we don't want the, the small-time landlords, like uh, 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 you know, maybe a, a sweet old lady who's lived in the same double for, for 40 years, she rents out the other apartment, and that supplements her social security. Yeah, we we got to make sure that 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 landlord, technically a landlord, we got to make sure that they can stay in their home too, and that you know anything we do is, is going to help keep our communities whole. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I I am shocked, frankly, um, when you were talking about the the rent sort of you know being separate from the moratorium on evictions that landlords can actually go back. And, and pursue tenants for you know months of back rent. Clearly, this is like the world's biggest loophole, it sounds like, that, yes, you can't be evicted, but you're going to be driven the, the hell out of there because, hey, if your landlord is going to get a, a judgment against you for all this money, you don't want to live there. And it might even be worse, honestly, than if you were evicted, owing only maybe a couple months rent. Yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty pretty true. And that's the scary part is we keep putting fingers in the dam, but we're running out of fingers. And so eventually it's going to burst. You know, we're, we're go- the can that we've been kicking down the road. We have to pick it up eventually because it keeps getting sharper and not, I'm, I'm losing my metaphors here, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, it's scary. It's really, really scary. And I know that the, the legislature is working on certain things. Uh, like I said, in the new budget, there is a, a rent relief and in, included in there, but it, it, unless we do, some real wholesale taxing of the rich, you know, they've gotten a lot richer over the past year while everybody else has been struggling. And so if we could just tax what they've made in the past year, like a portion of that, it would close all our budget loop uh, uh, gaps. And it's crazy to say that, that just a little bit of what these people have made I mean, it would, would cover all this. It's, it's, it's scary to me to think of something like, like you're talking about, like, well, I can't, I can't evict you, but I can take you to small claims court. And I, I could say you owe me this money. So even though there's a moratorium on rent that says I don't owe you necessarily this money, I do technically owe you this money, so I might as well just take it to small claims court, right? I mean, th- that seems like a gaming of the system type of thing. It's definitely getting around the fact that they can't kick these people out. And and these people don't have money. And if they had money, they would be paying rent because I still do talk to rent tenants who they're paying rent and they just have the regular old problems that we had, you know, where, Oh, I I asked for the black mold to be cleaned and they haven't done anything about the mold. And, uh, it, it it hurts to breathe sometimes like that's still happening, which is, which is great. Uh, I, I still have people saying that, you know, um, there's rodents living in the basement. I see their, their feces all the time. And I keep telling the landlord to do something about it. Uh, they put up some plastic and then, you know, that didn't help. And so we we're still dealing with all the issues that we were dealing with before COVID. COVID's just made everything a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, people lost jobs. They A huge amount of rent is being paid with credit cards, even when it wow. is being paid. And, right. wow. and yeah, it's, it's really, really bad. Yeah, no, I mean, my understanding is, that, and like, were I in this the position that were, like, say I, I was in a position where I, I paid rent. I'm not in a position where I'm paying rent right now, but were I in that position, I would pay rent if I could. 
And it seems like most people are paying rent if they can. It's not like people are trying to take advantage of the moratorium for the most part. I'm sure there are anecdotal cases where people are. There are anecdotal cases of literally everything. So right. I, don't, I don't want to hear anecdotes. Yes, what I, what this I, is definitely where the, the parties might be talking past each other because, yeah, there is always going to be somebody who says, well, I don't have to pay rent, so I'm not going to. But to base your entire policy and, and all the decisions you make based on, yeah, the exception to the rule is just phenomenally stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just so damaging to our communities. Yeah, I mean, you're right when you said, uh, when you said Adam, to me, you were right when you said, like, a lot of this is just, like, yeah, fingers in the, in the dam, you know? Like, everything seems to be so stopgap and so very, like, made up on the fly. Because if you think about it, the concept of an eviction moratorium implies that eventually that's going to end. And we're going to get to a point where, hey, people are going to be evicted again. So instead of coming up with a program where, I don't know, we talk about, hey, maybe the government supplements your rent, um, you know, and maybe there's some of that out there, but just like, hey, the government will pay half of your rent during this time or, you know, help you make those payments during that time. Because I think that's a lot of why people will continue to pay rent and they have because they know that this is going to come to an end just because you can't be evicted now doesn't mean you can't be evicted day one when the moratorium ends um now are you are you expecting there to be like a a big wave of evictions once the moratorium's up it's it's really hard to say because i feel like we already had waves of evictions beforehand and and I've seen people point this out is that our, our courts were already overflowing with tenants. Every time that there was a, a landlord tenant court day, they were already just, you know, the whole floor would be jam packed in the Buffalo city court building. So they, they were already at capacity. It's just going to be, it's cause it's just going to take longer. That's all. It'll be the same amount, but it'll be so much longer because there are so many cases that are, are going to be pending. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be hard to say that it's an avalanche. It'll be the same amount, just, Everything's going to take a lot longer. So, so what I'm hearing is that now's a good time for me to move into the city and not pay my rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, it, if you take um, anything out of this, if I take, yeah. if, if if our listeners take anything out of this, it is sell your house, move into the city, don't pay your rent. It'll take so long, you won't even care. When Jim hears there can be an anecdote about somebody gaming the system, his his goal is to be the anecdote. He wants right. to be the story that you have about right. somebody gaming the system. Right. Yeah. It, at least there is that that silver lining for me when I'm talking to a tenant and they're like, "Oh my God, I'm so I'm so scared. I have no idea what to do." And I was like, "Well, um, even if they were to start an eviction right now, you would have at least around two months." And that immediately makes them feel so much better. Like, okay, I have time to pack up. I have time to find a new apartment. I have time to do this. I have time to do that. So. Uh, yeah, that, that, that stability is there, but the, the basic truth is in New York state, no matter how good of a tenant you've been, if the landlord wants their, their property back, they get it no matter what that that's it. Um, and that's, that's why, you know, good cause eviction is uh, another bill that is currently pending that we really need passed. Uh, and just, I was thinking, Ree, when you're talking about the stopgap measures, the short sighted stopgaps, what, what do we do around Western New York, but 
short-sighted stopgap measures. We've been doing them for 60 years. And mm. haven't they all worked out magnificently? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, if, if nothing's worked better than Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm excited for our Skyway that leads up to uh, the walkway over the oh, water. I love, yes, the, yeah. love it, yeah. That's, I love that. It's like, well, some people want to take it down. Some people want to take it up. Why don't we just go halfway? Let's go half these <laughs> on that. It's a big diving board. <laughs> Adam, other than the um, the form you fill out, if you if you need the moratorium, um, what are what are some other tips you can give to tenants who might be in a in a tough situation, either because of COVID or or, or regardless of COVID? Yeah, yeah, I would say that if anybody has issues, reach out to some some really good local nonprofit housing agencies. Uh, Push does a lot of great work around housing. You know, people in the United for Sustainable Housing is their name, and, and they will they will show up for you and show out. Um, housing opportunities made equal. Home they do a really really good job helping people find new housing. If they know they have to leave, they will help you and, and work with you on that. And and there's a, a statewide coalition called Housing Justice for All. If you ever have any questions about this stuff or, or just want to learn more about the bills that are pending. Housing Justice for All is awesome. It's all there on the website. And they also do provide uh, a link to that form. So any tenant right now, you can just go to the website, get that form and fill it out. You don't have to wait for your landlord to give it to you. If you if you know that you might have some issues, you can just get ahead of the game, fill it out right now. And then you're, you're safe in your home at least until May 1st. Right, right now. Right now. Right now, right, right with you know, barring any further extension of the moratorium, which yeah, you know, which I will say that like, given the governor's office and also to that to a certain extent the assembly and senate's inclination towards deciding that the pandemic is over, I wouldn't expect an extension at this point. Yeah, I think we may have exhausted that avenue, and and I tr- I'm trying not to be pessimistic about it, even with as as good I believe this legislature has been in a long time. I I am a little bit pessimistic about another extension because we still it's it's a month and a half from now. Uh, our vaccination rate is doing pretty well, and if if we continue on this path, I I do see them thinking that it's time to move on. Yeah, but. With the rent relief in the new in the new budget, that could certainly alleviate a lot of these problems. I, I, I just, you know, I, I I see where things. I think I think I see where things are going, and I what I see is that like by the time May comes around, I think the state legislature is going to want to focus on things that aren't COVID and, or COVID related. And they're yes. going to view the moratorium as COVID-related, and they're going to want to focus on things that aren't that. Which does make me really excited to see, I, I think the New York Health Act is about to pass, which would mean we would be the first state in the country to have you know universal single-payer single, single payer system. Yes. That would be amazing and uh, a groundbreaking thing. And does that survive a veto? Uh, you know, Does that make it past Cuomo? We'll see. But I think that's about to pass in the Senate for the first time. So, I'm yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah, I think there's a lot of of work we still need to do during this session if we want to to make sure people can keep that stability in their lives. Because if you if if someone loses their home, if they're evicted, 
they're like two or two to four times more likely to move again within the next year because it just completely upsets your whole life. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, I want this to be this way. Oh, no, of course not. No, I, yeah, I got you. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with your, your outlook on it. Yeah. Well, Adam, um, I want to pivot a little bit here um, for moving away from, you know, talking about the housing stuff to kind of tapping into a little bit of your personal history and, and political history here, I should say. Um, you recently, I believe it was last year, right? Uh, you made a run for the Democratic nomination for the, um, uh, which, which it was the state assembly. Which seat is it? I don't know the numbers, unfortunately. Yeah, there's so many of them. It's, it's the 149th. 149th. Sure. Right. So you made you you ran for state assembly in the 149th district. Um, unfortunately, you're not successful. But I'm always curious to talk to people who have run for political office, just because my working theory, even the people who are good at it, even the people I like, by and large, really don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and I, I love to hear the narratives of people who have been involved in the political process trying to figure it out as they go along and what they sort of take away from it. Um, so let me pose the question to you. What was it like running for, was this your first time running for a political office? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and I would say uh, my number one takeaway is don't run during a worldwide pandemic, but <laughs> it, it was a great learning experience. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it because now I can help other people. I, I'm, I'm one of the the field team leaders for for India Walton right now, and and just the things I learned about petitioning last year, I'm bringing that knowledge to the current team, and and it's it's really really great. And it was it was tough though, without being able to knock on doors and, and meet people face to face. I I I truly believe in my heart, and and I know this is really really silly to some. I truly believe I would have I would have won last year. I would have won that primary had COVID not shut everything down. No, I, well, I don't know that you would have won. I don't I don't know that one way or the other. I do agree that COVID ruined it for most challengers, and that like like you said, you can't meet people face to face. I've said on this podcast before, like one of the challenges that India is going to have is that. Typically, if you are a grassroots challenger who is the underdog, the way you win is by pounding the pavement, boots on the ground, meeting more people, getting, getting in the face of more people than the incumbent does. When there's a worldwide pandemic, that makes that hard to do. So I, I agree with like your general thesis that like, you had a much more difficult time winning last year because of the pandemic. You know, would you have won? I think it would have been closer, and it was pretty goddamn close as it was. I was really proud of that outcome. And for, for those that, that don't know, it was a three-way race, and I got 30% in second place. And the, the person who came in third was a former common council member and yeah. you know, he, with a pretty big, pretty big chest of money. So I was really, really proud that you know, my ragtag crew of, of young people and, and old, you know, there were some old people too. And, and we had a really, really great group of, of volunteers that unfortunately weren't able to knock on any doors. So for the most of the time, it was just me posting. I, it was a lot of posting. Yeah. I mean, I, I did some petitions last year for an incumbent member of the assembly, uh, not the 149th, obviously it was an open seat. Um, 
but uh, I, I I wasn't I also wasn't against you. I, I was uh, down in uh, the southern part of Erie County, out there getting some signatures for an incumbent, and it was really hard. And I've been doing signatures. I've been doing petitions since I was eighteen. I'm forty one now. I've been doing petitions for more than half my life. And well, first of all, they suck. But second of all, <laughs> like. Once you are accustomed to doing them, you can do them. Trying to do them during a pandemic was one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do in my life in the political sphere. Because I had to try to ask people to go outside of their safety zone. It was, it's, it's one thing to, at, to do petitions when you're asking people to come outside of their comfort zone which is what normally doing petitions is, is asking people to come outside their comfort zone and come and meet a stranger and assign a petition for another stranger. However, during the pandemic, you're asking them to come outside of their safety zone, and that's a totally different thing in, entirely. Yeah, that, and that was terrifying because that was, that was right when it showed up, and we didn't know much about it. And so you know, the first couple of weeks, my wife and I would take you know, sanitizing wipes and wipe down every single thing we bought from the grocery market. Right. Because you didn't know where it was. It was everywhere at the same time. And so we were able to crush it on signatures and then they shut it down. We had enough to make the ballot. And that was, that was amazing. But yeah, just the, the terror that was just in our communities at that time, it was just, yeah. If you were not an incumbent or somebody with an enormous amount of money to do things that was pretty much, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough. It was really, really tough, but mm. I'm still, I'm still glad that I did it and I'm, I'm proud of how it turned out. I mean, hopefully we're who knows, but it looks like there, there appears to be light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, maybe we can resume something that can resemble what we considered normal pre pandemic. Um, so I guess I wanted to take you back a little, a little in time before, you know, you got to the point where the pandemic hit and it, it really obviously was a blow to to your campaign and how you would have run it otherwise. Um, just in that initial phase, like what was the biggest hurdle for you as a candidate? Like what was the hardest thing? Like because I, I know maybe p- people listening to the show um, think like, hey, uh, you know, running for office, it sounds pretty great. But man, it sounds like a nightmare to do it. Um, what was sort of like the hurdle that you had to get over before you're like, oh, I can do this? Like, what was the thing that maybe the mental or maybe whatever sort of roadblock there was where once you got over, it, you're like, okay, I can do this. It was trying to figure out how I would do it because the uh, the local machine is a thing and and they protect their power very, very well. And so if you end up learning how to run a campaign. It's usually because you're already kind of part of that in-group and you're not going to go rogue with that. So as a challenger on the outside, I had none of that knowledge. And I was basically the first person in in the Western New York area to kind of take on the the, the power like that. You know, and I'm not talking about John Rivera personally, because I, I like John, actually. You know, he's a buddy of mine. And I, I would have liked to do that against literally anybody else. Um, but, but just the idea that the ECDC had their, their candidate and I had to figure out how to do everything from scratch. And so it was really, once I started to lay things out 
and I had other people on my team that said, oh, I can do this, and I know this person can help with this. And once we started to put that together, that's when it started to become a little bit more realistic and say, okay, yeah, I mean, we can do this together. And that's what it really was, is once you have people with you who are devoted to the to the cause, and, and they're going to they're gonna, you know, sell out for you, that's, that's, that's when it really became a realistic thing. And just... Um, the other thing was, was whenever I would be uh, checking my my campaign social media or something, and some complete random stranger would be post, uh, posting a comment saying, "Hey, I, I I heard about you. I'm so excited," and like I, I have no idea how you heard about me, but this is amazing. The, the just the people people showing up and saying, "Yeah, I want this." For sure. Um, now, you know, you're bringing that experience of, "Hey, I'm a first time." running a political campaign, I'm running against some entrenched power here. Now, you mentioned you're working on India Walton's campaign. Um, I'm sure there's a lot that you're bringing from your run to India's campaign. Um, One of the things that I've been most impressed with about India's campaign to date, which I, I have to say, like, you'll see a lot of people who are running campaigns for the first time and they'll have their friends and they'll have their family members and you know they'll have a, a strong core of people but she really seems to have tapped into the network of you know like-minded people in the area who are um you know really interested in a lot of the same causes yourself included um did you did you have any sort of relationship with india beforehand or is it just something where you know you're you're, you're down with the cause. Yeah. I met her the first time a, a few years ago. And of course it was at a, it was at some sort of protest. And I remember how fiery and passionate she was for, for a woman of her size, she carries, you know, her, her voice is just so strong. And when she starts speaking, it is just impossible not to feel something incredibly strong and emotional. She's such a worry with words. And so, you know, just, through through working in, in common circles here in Buffalo, we started to to have a friendship. And when I first started to do my my run last year, she was actually the first volunteer I had. First day of petitioning in the middle of February, 17 degrees. She was there. She was the first one there. And so when she when she called me up and said, Hey Adam, I'm gonna do this. Would you would you, you know, want to be part of my team? I said, Absolutely. Hell yeah, I'll be there. And she, she is a true representative of the, the people of Buffalo. And it's time that we had someone like that in our mayor's office. Yeah, abs- absolutely. We're, we're certainly big fans of India. Um, we had her on the show, was it a couple months ago now? Yeah, it's been a while since we've had her on the show. We, we may bring her back. Maybe she's changed her views. Maybe she's more Republican now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you got to keep checking. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, maybe like... In, like since then, like she's found Tucker Carlson, and she's like, oh, "Well, no. I, oh. I, I, you know what I think it was is she got the uh, she got the square bounce in the polls, and then she said, well, I, I, that's all I needed from you guys.' <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "I got the square That'd bounce. I, I don't need to talk to these jokers anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I believe she she's nothing. Yeah. She yeah. actually calls us jamokes, which was a little concerning. To me. <laughs> <laughs> she's nothing if not a shrewd politician. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. No, we're excited for India's campaign, um, and certainly, Adam, I mean, again, unfortunately, you know, your run, um, maybe there's something in the future for you, but I know that you're working hard on, on India's campaign, so 
props to you for for bringing your experience to her and um, really working at it. Right. And even if you think there's nothing in your future, that doesn't mean you that somebody else can't run you even if you don't want them to. That's true. That's true. I'm seeing I'm seeing what they're doing with the sheriff stuff and uh, right. You, they can they can definitely make somebody run even if they don't want them to. It's an amazing world. A great political system we have here. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it is something. I, <laughs> I, 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 I always think of uh, when saying, like, run when somebody doesn't want them to. When JFK ran for Senate for the first time, uh, the Republican senator, that he, the incumbent that he ran against, um, JFK's father uh, paid for somebody with the exact same name as the incumbent senator to run on a minor party line. That, that family was so shady. <laughs> oh yes. And, and it still is. So, and, and the apocryphal story is that the incumbent senator's mom voted for the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on, on that note, on the Kennedys, Adam Bojack, thank you for joining us down in the square talking about, the news, tenants' rights, and uh, and you know. Angus, and thanks for talking about Angus <laughs> and things. and Angus of all things, um, Adam. Where can do we have anything for you to promote or any anywhere we could find you on social media? Yeah, yeah, I would say certainly if you are interested in getting involved in the India Walton campaign, go to indiawalton.com. We've got hundreds of volunteers, and we are looking for more all the time, just because we're going to make this happen. Uh, I am on Twitter at Adam Bojack. B-O-J-A-K, if you want to follow my inane ramblings there. Um, and, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed this. This is fun. Well, thanks for being on. It's been actually our pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Most, Adam. Mostly Ree's pleasure. My, definitely my pleasure. And we'd love to have you back, Adam, sometime. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's Anytime. been a great night in the snake pit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care. Snake out. You know, boys, I might have a. I, I got. I just got to close on on this note. Um, you know, uh, this past week, big old Shamrock Shake week, right? Right. I mean, we had we had uh, for those at home who don't know, we had corned beef and cabbage tonight for dinner. I mentioned it last week on the pod. At my Guinness and my Shamrock Shake, I had one like uh, at least twice a day for the past fourteen days, right? And I'm feeling great. But, um, you know, it's a controversial take because a lot of people are saying, oh, how can you drink that mint shit? It tastes like toothpaste. And to that I answer, why, why would they make toothpaste that tasted bad? Like, would you brush your teeth if, if they had shit-flavored toothpaste? To that, Ryan says he eats toothpaste at least twice a day. Well, uh, uh, fluoride's healthy for well, you. Well, first of all, who thinks Guinness tastes like toothpaste? No, no, not Guinness. It's oh. a, I'm talking about, like, mint... Oh, the, mint flavored things. Shamrock shakes. Shamrock shakes, baby. Oh, they don't taste like toothpaste. No, but even if they did, t- toothpaste is made to taste good. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, at my house right now, I have strawberry flavored toothpaste. Yeah. I mean, you know what I like? Strawberry shakes. Listen, they've got cinnamon flavored toothpaste. They've got bubblegum. Pla- are you saying that because those are now bubblegum flavor or toothpaste flavors? 
that you wouldn't have bubble gum or you wouldn't have cinnamon ever again? Like, what are you trying? What are you actually trying to say? Because up until toothpaste was invented, mint, mint was a sweet, refreshing treat. Right. I mean, I mean, I here's my thing with toothpaste is like you, they shouldn't make toothpaste flavored like things you don't want to eat. So it should be like olives and mushrooms. <laughs> Dear listener, in case you were curious how we got the way we are, two of our hosts regularly eat their toothpaste. They consume it. It tastes good to them, and they think, why Why not? It's like they make, they why, make. Why shouldn't I have a little toothpaste? They make toothpaste that tastes good. They make, uh, they make toothpaste that tastes good. Why wouldn't the they? Right. I mean, it, it, and it's not just like uh, what, what's Aquafina is, with the, is the three-color one. Uh, Aqua Fresh. Aquafina Aquafina is water. Is water in that that singer, right, or actor? Yeah. uh, uh, Okay. Right. Aqua Fresh is the three color one. Yep. Um, I'm just thinking about that because I was watching a cocktail chemistry episode yesterday, Uh and they where they made uh, the forget me shot that Mo makes for Homer the one time. Yes. And part of the recipe is the red bit from Aqua Fresh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, also part of the recipe <sighs> is the gunk from a dog's eye yeah. quadruple sec, which doesn't exist, uh-huh. and the venom from a moth that doesn't exist. Well, how'd they manage that? They did what they could, but the best part about it is that in the Simpsons episode, he was like, and then you stir it with a pregnancy test until it says positive, <laughs> and then you drink it. And well, he's like... And so in the in the episode of uh, Cocktail Chemistry, he's like, so now I'm going to stir this with a pregnancy test, and I guess if it says negative, I don't have to drink it, and it came up positive. Well, oddly enough, that's how they make shamrock shakes. That's where you see pregnancy tr- test trucks outside of McDonald's all the time. Right, yeah. It's it's nothing but, like, uh, but fertilized eggs. Mm-hmm. Well, this is another cracker episode of The Square. <laughs> and I think on that note, gentlemen, big thanks again to... Friend of the pod, Adam Bojack. Friend of the pod, He's great. Adam Bojack. Bojack would have won. Yep. Adam Bojack Horseman. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> and welcome anytime. Yes. Welcome back anytime. Yeah. Um, guys, where can we find our beloved hosts on social media? How about you, Snake? Uh, well, you can find me at the Real Ryan Steele, uh, or uh, named Snake on Twitter. You can find me, uh, not beloved Snake. At James Tamil on Twitter or Battle Jim of the Republic on the Instagrams. Or now at Angus. Well, soon to be (laughs) at At Angus of the Republic. At at Angus Pitbull slash horse. You got to be careful. They don't really allow you to do the slashes, so it might be have to be a no, dash. No, no, it's, it's going to be a word that says slash. <laughs> sorry, that's sorry, that's already a porn site, Jim. They they've got a handle. It's taken. Oh well, and OnlyFans Angus Pitbull Horse. <laughs> I know I'd sign up well, for that. This this is the last time we get to talk to Jim before he's rich and he's too good for us. Yes, from OnlyFans. Yes. Well, and again, listener, this is Re. You probably can't find Maybe you can find me on social media, but I don't like to put out my information. But I do like to put out the information for our podcast because that's what you care about. Please, on Twitter, follow us at The Square Pod Buff. Um, find us on Facebook. We are The Square Podcast. 
we are on. I don't know where you're listening to us. You could be listening to us on SoundCloud. But wherever you listen to us, keep listening to us. If you have friends who want to listen to us, if you say, hey, uh, do you want to hear these guys with really nasal voices talk about some bullshit in Buffalo that, you know, you might not really know about, but hey, you want to hear their, their sweet, dulcet tones? Well, Tell them to listen on Stitcher, on Google, on Spotify, on whatever fucking thing. We're, we're out there, guys. So please continue to support us. Uh, on your badger that turns into a horse. Yes, the Patreon. We are we're making moves. The t-shirts, they're coming. We're, I promise they're coming. Don't once, you worry about it, my children. Once we have that all squared away, we'll talk about what we're going to do for that. But it's going to be a lot of fun. So big things happening down So get your goddamn credit cards ready. Get them, get them warmed up. Get, get them warmed up. You know, get those Biden bucks ready. Yep. Jim's just saying that because he's trying to get people to subscribe to his OnlyFans for Angus slash horse slash deer. I forget what animals already. If if you get Biden bucks, send them our way, and yeah, we'll make send, sure they're very send, well spent. Send us the Biden bucks, and we'll make sure that we we stimulate the economy. We will stimulate the economy, guys. For the square, thanks again. Thank you. Good night.